It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The one and only Sausage and Egg McMuffin from McDonald's. With a freshly cracked free-range egg, perfectly seasoned sausage, and oozing cheese. Mm, that's unreal. What she said. McDonald's. Breakfast done properly. Welcome to episode 112 of the bloodandmud.com podcast. The domestic season is over and it's absolutely bloody boiling. And my car overheated and broke down on the way home. But oh. we're not going to let that get us down, are we? Um, it sounds like you are a little bit, if I'm honest. No, I'm shaking it. I have to get it out there so I can shake it off. Okay, okay, good. I'm Lee. Yeah, Taylor Swift team. I'm Lee Calvert. Yeah. I'm there to bloodandmud.com and joining me as usual over there is... Uh, Josh Gordon of RugbyShowWatch.com And taking a break from curating his summer espadrille collection, it's Mr. Paul Williams. Good evening, or good morning. Good evening, good evening, gentlemen. Are espadrilles shilling, Paul? I'm showing my naivety here. Is that a summer thing? I'm not wearing them this year. Therefore, no, they're not in at all. Let's have another nice bank holiday weekend. Delightful, yes. Yeah, I am, actually. A lot yeah. of rugby, it's good. Yeah, a lot of rugby. I've in not... the garden. That's not a, that's not product placement. I meant as a power washer. Yeah, yeah. Who doesn't yeah. like power washering a patio? Eh? It's yeah. one of life's true satisfying tasks. I bought like one of them. Brad th- Barrett in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> I bought one of them things that goes on your back for putting weed killer in. You know, you pump with your hand and spray. Oh, oh, I tell you what, dream. that was oh best twenty quid I've ever spent. That was. Yeah. I I got one of those things. that's like a can of. Uh, deodorant, essentially, I guess, is a can of propane with a little lighter on the end on a stick, and you're supposed to use it to burn weeds off your drive. Oh, yeah. But it's like, I mean, it's, it's like a tiny little flamethrower. I is feel it, like is it any good? I feel like I'm an alien. Uh, no, it's fucking terrible. Yeah, I've been tempted by it, but I've, I've seen bad reviews. Absolutely appalling, but it feels like I'm in aliens every time I've got it. So it's or great. Ghostbusters night. Or Ghostbusters, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, onwards. Uh, you can get in touch with the pod at Blood and Mud. And Josh, how do people get in touch with you? Uh, at Josh Gardner, at Rugby Shirt Watch, uh, RugbyShirtWatch.com. And Paul? 
I am at the Paul Williams or standing outside the doors of skinnylager.com. <laughs> yeah, on, on, in front of me, I have two men quaffing away at Skinny Lager in yeah, this, in this summer weather. Some skinny Lager. And honestly, it's pretty good. Like, it's, given that it's bugger all calories and gluten-free and all that jazz, it's, stick a slice of lime in it. Lovely. People are very sceptical of these healthy beers, but yeah. give, them a, give them a crack. Man. I'm sceptical of health, full stop. Uh, we are on Acast we are on Apple Podcasts and as you know as well we're also now on Patreon at patreon.com slash blood and mud where you can get exclusive content over the summer and interviews and all of that kind of stuff will be coming your way thanks for everyone that signed up I can't believe the response that we've had thank you this week to Kieran Duffy and Trish Bronte who've chosen to not only come into the Aled Brew Lounge but to actually pay the extra money to get behind the golden rope of the Aled Brew Lounge in the VIP area and get a mention on this podcast as well. So thank you, Kieran, and thank you, Trish. I mean, the upholstery is lovely back It there, is lovely so, back here. There's you know, bonquettes. Yeah. There's much skinny lard as you can sh- bathe in. There's a Shaw's Lounge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the skinny lager lounge. Yeah. <laughs> well, well. <laughs> anyway, so moving on, we always start with the player spotted. So let's start with this one. This is where we ask you to send in any mundane or any other contact you've had with some players which you think we need to listen to and read about and tell you a lot about. So we've got Richie Craven, who slid into the DMs with this one. He said, a player, well, coach actually spotted. He said, I was in a rugby pub in Dublin last night, and when I got there, my friend pointed out that Stuart Lancaster was set up in the corner of the bar watching the Glasgow games. It was a couple of weeks ago. He said, the man did not change his expression once during the entire hour and a half that he was there. You'd be forgiven for thinking he was a particularly lifelike statue. <laughs> he said, but even sitting down, he somehow managed to still have the impression of doing the northern man stance. <laughs> I'm surprised he wasn't actually standing up in the, with one leg up on the chair, elbow resting on the knee in the northern man stance Break. all the way through. Breaking wind. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we, before we begin this pod properly, decide who you're going to sit next to in the Blood and Mud Clubhouse? Oh, yeah, you better add. This is where we play Who's in the Clubhouse. Paul, you can choose. This is where we give you a chance to sit next to two characters that frequent the Blood and Mud Clubhouse, and you can decide which one you'd like to sit next to, or you can choose to sit on your own, if neither of them seem very appealing. All right? So first of all, the first person you've got to sit next to is is Count Flascular. Right. Has he got a flask? Well, listen to this. He's 47 years old. He works on the railways and has been hanging around the club for a while, but nobody really knows in what capacity he's here. He carries a thermos with him at all times, out of which he pours an unidentified liquid occasionally. And when asked if he can have a sip or a bit of it, his reply is always, yeah, that's what your mum said. So that's Count Flascular. Hold that thought. He sounds a a riot. He sounds a riot, yeah. But he's he's not without his positives. No, no, no. Well, yeah, exactly. And then your second choice is Johnny H. Jizz. Oh. He's, tw- <laughs> he's 29 years old. He's the inside centre for the seconds. He comes across as a lovely lad until you mention gay men in any way at all, and at which point he reveals a rabid homophobia that manifests itself in increasingly irrational diatribes about how disgusting he finds male spoil. Right. So that's your choice. Flascular, Johnny H. Jizz, or you can sit on your own. <laughs> I can see which one you might want to go for. Right. Definitely flascular. Ouch. Because there's there's an outside chance in that flask, there's skinny lager. <laughs> <laughs> right. Outside chance. You never know. And yeah. I don't like racists. 
So, yeah, it's definitely uh, number one. Okay, yeah. thank you very much. Right there with you. Um, I guess I've got to pick yours, and I've got to give you yours now, haven't I? Yeah, and you'll have to just do, do sort yourself out this week, Josh. Yeah, I'll just sell my own. Fuck it. I, I enjoy I'm my not, own. I purpose. wasn't aware of this. I like this new feature. Oh, yeah, it's going to be going a couple of weeks. Right, when I Some come on next, are... I'm bringing my own character. I didn't want to. I didn't. I didn't want to frighten you off by suggesting that this is something that we do. We thought you'd spring it on you while we're actually recording. <laughs> I really like it. I love it. Right then. So, Lee, your two for this week. Right. Are, first up, we've got Woody Halfcock. Now, he hasn't. He hasn't <laughs> played again. <laughs> he hasn't played a game for Kieran Academic Low Boys in nearly ten years, despite the fact that he's never missed training in that time, and he turns up to every single home game on the off chance that somebody gets injured in the warm out, warm up. <laughs> However, he hands out business cards with Woody Halfcock, sixth choice hooker, Kieran Academic Low Boys RFC, written on them in the bar after the game to anybody who's unlucky enough to spend time with him. I quite, one. I quite like the sound of him in that I mean, he's, yeah. he's I like I like a bit of spirit. Yeah, and he's oh. got a bit of a Patrick Bateman vibe with the business cards. He has got yeah, so, especially you know, the gloss that in a metal well, carrying gloss. case and stuff, you know. Yeah, okay, I quite like yeah. him. But go on. Who's then, and then number two is Gerald Davis. <laughs> what not, the Gerald not Davis? That Jeff. All right. Not, that, <laughs> not the former Wales and Lion winger, nor he's, is he any he's terrifying that man. I'd never well, sit next to him. <laughs> well, that's that hasn't stopped him from growing a moustache and wearing a WRU tie around the clubhouse bar in the hope of luring in some short-sighted ladies of a certain age with tales of his tours in New Zealand. Oh, I love it. Yeah, uh, go on. Unfortunately, every single one of his tour stories is just a famous five-story with Anne and Georgina's name swap for Barry John and Gareth Edwards. You know what? So I would love to sit next to pretend Gerald Davis and go on his flights <laughs> of fancy and maybe pick Fair up enough. some women of a certain age because well, you can tell fact- people that I'm... I don't know. Who can you tell people that I am? JJ or something? JJ Williams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You've lost a step, but you know, Speak- it's just all men. Speaking of um, Gerald Davis, it reminded me, you remember John Spencer, the, the manager of the Lions last year? Yes. The one the with, the, with the whistle in his voice. Yeah. Dan Bigger, <laughs> Ospreys and Wales. Him, yeah. Well, I never heard of him before, right? Until no. he came, I was like, "Who's this guy?" And obviously, he's a successful guy. And now I can't stop seeing him. He was at England yeah. Barbarians. He's at every Twickenham game. He's, they pan past like the big royal box thing, and he's always sat there. He's obviously <laughs> been on this gravy train for years, but they've just finally yeah, given him the Lions job last year. He put his time. Yeah, and we'll have to give it to Spencer. He's always hanging around. Yeah, now he's recognisable. He stands out from the sort of myriad other sort of bald old. Posh men that are sat in, you know, royal boxes and and on <laughs> yeah. sidelines of, of England rugby games. Yeah, yeah. he's probably always been there, but never. And he's in. Oh, the, the, there's a brilliant bit of Lions D. Have you seen the Lions DVD this year, Paul? Yes, I have. Did yeah. you see the brilliant bit when he had to go and like meet some firemen or something, and he had to make small talk with them? It was excruciating. <laughs> it's, it's excruciating. <laughs> I know, because everyone thinks that tour is just a jolly, and it's not. No. Even if you aren't playing, there's a lot of work to be done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, bless him. But he had to sort. Of, yeah, he had to chat and with it them. Might, it might put you in situations which you are culturally not that prepared for. Correct. So there you go. So who's in the clubhouse? I'm sitting next to Gerald Gerald Davis in inverted commas. Yeah. <laughs> Paul's gone for Flaskular and Josh. You'll have to just who we sat next to next week, last week. You'll have to sit with him again. I can't even. Yeah, remember that now. guy, whoever he was. I'm not sitting next to the homophobe lad last no, week. Yeah, he's, he's trouble. Yeah, you can fuck right off. <laughs> I'm a little bit worried because Flaskular is just taking the top off the flask and there's steam coming out. <laughs> oh, so it's warm. Right, it then. could be warm skinny lager though, Paul. Yeah, would it work like that? It sounds like it would work as anything. <laughs> I'm worried. I mean, I used to drink hot Vimto when he had a cold. Do you think it would work on that level? Hot 
Vimto. Yeah, I'm not even joking. Hot Vimto, Lancashire thing. Hot Vimto when you're not feeling well. Oh, oh. oh God. Can we have some news? Yeah, let's have some get news. The swill that takes. Let's get that, some better well, news. Metaphorical well, actually, bad news, actually. Let's start off with the news. Jared Payne's had to retire because he can't get rid of his headache, apparently. Yeah, and that's, that's not even shit, a joke. That, I'm actually being it? honest, he can't get rid of his headache. Yeah. It's fucking shit, that, isn't it? Like, it wasn't. It didn't even seem like a bit like. As with quite often these like concussion-related things, it's like, oh, he's got a concussion, he might be out for a couple of weeks on the Lions tour, and then it was like, oh, he's out for the whole tour, and he's never played again. And that's, oh, yeah, horrible. But at the same time, good that he's gone straight into uh, into coaching, and he's now Ulster's defence coach, I believe, which... Uh, yeah, and he so, always seemed like a guy with a decent brain when it came to yes. rugby, so you would, you would hope he has a, a decent coaching career ahead yeah. of him but you never know until he finally gets stuck into it do you but uh and an excellent defender as well let's be honest he was uh absolutely rock solid and do you know what guys it made me think of which isn't a, a unique sort of thought for anybody but just how many of those guys came over from new zealand and you, you've got to be careful how you phrase this but mm. sort of that didn't quite make the all-black mark, even mm. though a few of them sort of had three, four, five, six, seven, eight caps, Regan King, Xavier Rush, all these guys, you know, and Payne. And you think of the careers that they've had over yeah. here and they weren't, you know, they didn't meet the requirement over there. It's unbelievable. You know, you think of Jared Payne just strolled into that island. Uh, island. Yeah. And it, and it makes you think of sort of, you know, Johnny McNichol now down the Scarlet's. Ricky Flutie. Who? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that wasn't even a, that's not actually a joke. He wasn't. No, he's kind of no, seen no, as a bit of a joke name now, like, Ricky Flutie. But he had, he had a decent career. He did. He did. He and he was solid. There's, yeah. al- there's always an assumption as well, actually, that nobody gets any better once they leave New Zealand. And that yeah, kind of annoys me. Think. It is possible for somebody to come from New Zealand and actually get better playing in Europe. The assumption yeah. is you had to stay the same or get worse because you're not playing in New Zealand. Yeah, you I mean, know, the reality a... is, you they get game time. So yeah. you know, when you make it into those test teams, you look at the likes of I don't know, let's say Johnny McNichol now, who was a you know was a good player in New Zealand, mm. um, and has now become a standout player in Wales, you know, and in the Pro 14. And once you stick that guy outside test players again, mm. he's going to get even. Look at Hadley Parks. Look how much Hadley yeah. Parks has become. Hadley Parks couldn't even get a Super Rugby game, let alone. A... <laughs> Barely yeah. featured, right? and now that yeah. dude outside Welsh internationals. Look at the quality; it's, it's yeah. sickening, and I mean sickening in a good way. <laughs> yeah, so good luck, Jared, with that. Um, Indeed. What other news have we got? Very quickly, Sia Khaleesi's been named Springbok bot captain. Everyone's making a big yeah. play about he's the first ever black captain, which I suppose is very newsworthy. It but is isn't, a, yeah. I didn't even think about that. I thought it was newsworthy in the fact that he's great because he's a bloody good player. Yeah. Has been for about he's a two very years. Very good player. Yeah. And, the you first know, thing I thought was he's shit hot. Yeah. So that's why he's captain. Yeah. And I he's think that's one of the thing. few bright spots of, you know, it's been a fucking dismal last couple of years for the box, but he has been one of those players that's really put his hand up and gone, you know what, there is still a fucking shitload of talent here. And yeah, good luck to him. Yeah. It's only so temporary it's though, isn't it? Really good appointment. And it, yeah. I think he should have had it last time around, actually. Yeah. But. It's only temporary, Josh. Is it only for? Yeah, this? Warren Whiteley's injured, isn't he? So oh, right, uh, he's right. he's the permanent captain. So it's just for this tour. But you know, if he does a good enough job, and I got a feeling South Africa might be quite good. Like, well, the way the Super Rugby season's gone has been much better than it has been previously, isn't it? 
Yeah, and I mean, Razzy Erasmus is a very good coach. All of a sudden, he's had the, you know, blinkers taken off and can pick anybody from anywhere. Like, it is still a, you know, South Africa do still churn out shitloads of rugby talent. Mm-hmm. You bring back the likes of, you know, all of these six, these players who've buggered off to Europe over the last couple of years, and there is a lot of them. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they could be good. They might be awful, but, but they could. But you know, hedging the bets, I like but it. That, yeah. But that is that. I'm not going to make it an awful sort of frivolous joke or a skinny lager prompt you to make a serious point, right? That is the point now about Australian and South African rugby. Yeah. So, and in a similar way, you look at Welsh rugby. It five seasons ago, we could keep nobody. Okay. Mm. So everyone was going, and then we couldn't attract anybody. And Australia and South Africa have just gone through this now. So Australia, weirdly, a season before South Africa, so they yeah. lost. You know, the Adam Ashley Coopers, and they lost. You know. Drew Mitchells and all these guys, and they went. And now they're starting to repopulate their squads. And it's the same sort of thing with South Africa. So I think another two or three seasons, and they will be back. Although conversely then, it hasn't affected the the, the All Blacks as much as anyone else. And I mm. think they, they are pilfering is about to come. They are serious pilfering of the, um, you know, the starting 15s. That's just... Yeah, the yeah that's the thing, isn't it? Is, is when the when the All Blacks start losing proper first choice test guys, that's when things are probably going to like. Fekito was kind of, a, of, a was kind of a, the thin end of the wedge in one way with that, isn't he? You look at Fekito, yeah. he's like, well, I know they had, they've always got you had like Lamappi coming, they've got they've always got people coming through, but Fekito was one of the ones where you thought there's no reason for him to move, really, is there? No. You know, he's not 32, he he's went, not, and he went anyway because he thought, you know what, yeah. short career, I could have a Rob Horn done to me next week. I'd rather earn, yeah, you know, half a million pound a year, whatever it is. And I think the big two now, you they'll, you know, Aaron Smith and God, you look at Aaron Smith, man, the way he plays with the Highlanders, yeah. they're the not a particularly they good would... squad, right? And he, the way he marshals them, I think it'll be when Borden Barrett's offered, and and you know, guys like Brody Vitalik, you know, Brody Vitalik in reality is probably worth <clears> a million a season. Easy. Easy. Well, if Dan Carter if Dan Carter's worth like what is it a million and a half a season or whatever, then Bowden Barrett's worth all that and more. And the thing, and the problem is, you've got people like what's the guy who owns Capri Sun and now is in charge of Stad, the German bloke. He is throwing his wallet around with the sort of abandon that even you know, to clubs like Toulon and Toulouse cannot compete with. So and he's throwing his money a, around like a bloke in a piss strip bar in Swansea on a yeah. Wednesday. <clears throat> <laughs> no, he's not. He's not getting as good quality goods, though, is he? For his money, as you would exactly. do. No. Yeah. But you think yeah, but... after this World Cup cycle, he is going to be, yeah, looking at Bowden Barrett and going, "I'll whatever you want." I know. Because they can, they can make him their out of salary cap player, and they can play him whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, exactly. And the brothers, you know, you've got Geordie, you've got, you know, Lamarpe. If there's ever a player who looks like a top fourteen centre in the world, yeah. oh, might be yeah. Still Marpe, right? yeah. You know, he's seven hundred and fifty grand like that. So well Mar well who's taking a break from his rugby career, that's another bit of news today. Oh yeah, his career family. is being sus- I've not read it, I've just only seen a few snippets. He's, he's yeah, suspending he's his some career. Sort of family reasons, he's basically oh, wow. just gone I'm done I just don't know what's going on. It's obviously you know. He's probably looking at Bastro and going, well, I can love it easy, take two years off, come back two stone heavier and still be all right. Looking at Bastro, <laughs> so... 
there's also there's also the outside chance that Nanu has thought I could maybe get in the World Cup. Yeah, and go back as sneak into that squad, sneak into a Super Rugby <laughs> squad. But uh, I wouldn't rule it out. You know, the dude's only no. thirty six. You know, and he's okay. he's, pl- he's, he's playing still very re- good though. He's playing really well. So you know, you never know. Hanson might have given him a little shout and say, "Right, we'll sneak you into the Blues." <laughs> and then um, you never know. Yeah, it's the uh... other quick news is then Martin McCall's extended his contract with Saracens just to you know Everyone continue has. that. Yeah. And so is everybody else. Lots and lots of nipple yeah. banter this weekend in the news. Oh, I made oh, yes. so many nipple gags on Twitter. <laughs> hey, we've all been there, Paul. Don't worry about that. <laughs> no. You're back in yes. that club in Swansea again. But yeah, it's. Um... Aren't they trying I don't understand why they keep using things. the nipple line. It's really odd. I know, it's, it's a weird. Funny it's like, to it, people... it is movable, isn't it, as well, the nipple line? Yeah. So. If you it's don't movable. want people. like, Why don't you just say the line that's in line with your armpits? And your chest, you know, that might be a little bit higher, maybe. I don't know. Or just like... the bottom end of the pectoral muscle, <laughs> yeah. because the pectoral muscle yeah. doesn't move regardless of your build. Yeah, where you're. Yeah, where. Or exactly if you're a there. woman, because I was thinking, and it, I need yeah. to put it on Twitter, but I thought it might be a really awfully sexist thing to say. But the nipple line, women's nipples are lower because they've got boobs. Yeah. So if yeah, that's and that's exactly know, the same for some front. That is something that we've all noticed. Correct. Yes. Yeah. The, uh, and so it's. It's just the fact that they've called it the nipple line has just instantly left it open to just well, everyone. It, it brings out it, it brings out the twelve year old in all of us. It, exactly, of course it does. Like, and I can also guarantee there were no women in that room when that was decided. <laughs> no, right? because the first thing a sensible person would have said is, "Hang on, there's an awful lot of people with nipples at different levels." <laughs> and yeah. that would have altered immediately. Altered immediately. So it's, yeah, it, yeah. It's whose nipples exactly are we going do, for? But... Do you want post-retirement right. Serge Blanco's nipples? Where would they be? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Are we going to have to basically, you know, like, like how they do like a concussion baseline test that they then test you <laughs> against for? Are we going to have to do like a before every game? Like, 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 yeah. Every every player is going to have to take their shirt off and have a photo taken. And then they're going to have to mentally draw the line of the nipple. And then when it goes to TMO, he's going to get the photo out and go, yeah, yeah sorry, mate. That like was in the old it. days, the ref would line you up about you lift your boots up and he'd feel your boots to check there wasn't any rough bits. So you have to walk around rubbing the chest to see where the nipple is. <laughs> oh, there it is. There it is. Yeah. Oh, there's a third one. They could have oh, based it on, on the... the, the the could... subs will be doing pack decks on the way in because then <laughs> the, that could just to lift it up, lift and... up a little inch. Yeah. yeah, you know marginal gains and all. Yeah, that. <laughs> you see what they could have used the, the favorite, my favorite part of the body by name, which is the ziphoid process. Do you know what a ziphoid process is? No. Weird, why it's called a process, I don't know, but it's basically at the bottom. You know, in the middle of your rib cage at the bottom there. Yeah. This is really good, isn't it? Visuals. Yeah. Imagine what it like you where your where your six pack ha ha ends at the top and it joins your ribcage. Behind there is a bit of cartilage called the ziphoid process. Well, but the fact nobody knows what it is wouldn't be a very good indicator, would it? Yeah, the ziphoid I process. I thought the ziphoid process was in his head, sir. I'm very sorry. <laughs> so, so... <laughs> well, the easiest way to solve this, and what's the whatever the fuck it was called, pro rugby in the USA last year, now defunct, didn't have many good ideas. I mean. Their lack of financial existence now proves that. However, <laughs> one of the things they did have was that yeah. all of the match kits had a red line basically running across 
roughly at sort of nipple line. Uh, and basically, so the refs could go, well, that's the, and that was the high tackle line. If you tackled above that red line, it was a high tackle. And there, it left absolutely no room for confusion or any of that stuff. Just do that. Make every for five years or for three years, make everyone have some sort of line running across where you don't want people to tackle above anymore. And within a couple of years, players will be doing it by out of habit. As One thing we to, do know, I'll bring this to an end now. One thing they do know is that it's you know I can't wait for the nipple TMO banter that's going to oh, come. It won't no, at all be fucking teeth scrapingly no. awful, will it? Be awful, taking up it? ages. And imagine the Twitter after a, a nipple based decision that they don't agree with. It's going to be <laughs> fucking even more intolerable than it is a lot of the time, anyway. Yeah. They're going I've to got be about 9,000 pre-written nipple TMO tweets. <laughs> Have you got a nipple bot? Just to, just yeah, just... in their own folder. <laughs> yeah. anyway, what they're like... going to do is they'll just have like photos on file of like proof oh. that somebody's nipples are actually lower than what they were doing. Yeah. And they'll talk about how the camera force shortens the nipple distance, like in cricket when you're catching <laughs> the ball on the floor and stuff. Oh, anyway. Do you, do you know what, though? In all seriousness, it is the right thing to do. Yes. And also, even you know, if it isn't, you, everyone needs to stop raging against this because actually this is what's happening. So actually start yes. addressing the fact that the game has to work in a way that we like it to work with the tackle mm. coming down. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, and the, the thing we spoke about, you know, Jared Payne retiring, that should put things into perspective, no. Ray, head injuries, and why they're not to be fucked about with. Yeah. So fuck it. And I've I've had a few moments where I've gone, oh god, this is. But when you think about it, right? If you watch a game from not even that long ago, really, fifteen years ago, look at a Six Nations game from the early two thousands, mm. late nineties. Yeah. You know they weren't tackling that high back then, and it was no, you know, it it's... was it was a game that looked like I remember like flicking over to grandstand in the eighties, and it looked like that still. People weren't yeah. trying to take each other's heads off. You know, it was around the waist. And people always say, oh, yeah, but you might get injured if you tackle the knees and they might kick in the head. I said, but no, but if you actually kick your head the right side and ring a steel, yeah. you know, that's what prevents... It goes back to actual... Will the game Basic lose something form. if they don't smash the shit out of each other a bit more? I don't know. I, we'll find out. But I think it'll, it probably will, but it'll gain something else, I think. We're kind it of will. going to have to. It's going to make offloading yeah, exactly. easier, which it should increase ball play in time which yeah. it could have like huge repercussions because players aren't if the players are able to offload more then the ball is going to be moving from contact much quicker which means players aren't going to be able to be as big as they are at the moment because they're gonna to have to run around more and that's the whole point and you know rugby is such a it's one of the most sort of darwinian games sports <laughs> that i know it just yeah. evolves right no matter when something's tweaked something else changes yeah. Um, and it, you know, it, it it always works out, and I don't mean that in a sort of loose way, but there there are always benefits and negatives. But I think that will be a benefit. Mm. We spent ages on the news there, so I'm going to leave it. Yeah. <laughs> Sean Edwards is going to the Dragons was the last one, I think. Oh yeah. He is inching Dragon closer North. to England. I like to think. <laughs> yeah. I imagine yeah. that. In all seriousness, who's paying for that? Will. Well, the lovely one you've gone will give you more money and will let you have something to do in the week <laughs> if you don't go to England, is what they've basically yeah. said there, isn't it? I think the reality is with Sean Edwards, after this World Cup... Oh, he's off. He'll he'll move into a massive role somewhere else. You know, he's got another year left and then... Yeah. 
Best of luck to him. He's done a fantastic job for Wales in yes. all of his roles. You know, he, he made no a massive to... difference with the Cardiff Blues. Yeah, He's been fantastic. There, he? no, I don't think anyone could begrudge him a, a move anywhere, to be honest. No. Be their best signing of the summer at the Dragons, that. Right. He, he, that is absolutely correct. Uh, right then, should we move on to what we've learned from the weekend? We should. I'll, uh, I'll kick us off. Did, did you two watch the, the, the popular TV show, Breaking Bad? Yes. Yeah, uh, the first few, yeah. Yeah, well, I started smoking crack shortly after, <laughs> and then I missed the rest. Lost interest. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a bit in it. I think it's in season five where where Heisenberg Walter says to Jesse. Or Jesse says to Walter, "We're in the, I'm in the meth business." And Walter says, yeah, "You might be in the meth business. I'm in the empire business." <laughs> and basically, that's what that's what lends to make me think of that little exchange all the time. Now, <laughs> you lot might be in the rugby business. We're in the empire business. Because if you look at that team, well, one, I've never, it was a fucking walk in the park, that game for them, yeah, frankly. Yeah. But leave, we'll come out, I'm sure we'll talk about the game in a minute. But actually, if you look at what they've done, look at their squad and look at the age of the players that were out there, even yeah. with a couple of injuries taking people out, which will probably happen, it's truly terrifying, stroke, exciting, stroke, great well, in many ways. Stephen Jones, uh, he of, have- <laughs> blocking everyone on the internet fame. Um, He's made remarkable, a, a fair, isn't he? <laughs> made, made a fairly uh, ill-advised point after the Premiership final where he basically said that Saris were the best team in the world and would beat loads of test teams. Um, nonsense. The, but there is a club side that probably would give most test teams a run for their money, uh, but it's not Saracens. It's Len- like Leinster have not only showed... like test level focus and intensity on both sides of the ball they've got like you said they've got squad depth that would genuinely not be out of place on quite a few international teams and you think about the scarlets on that day they had to move tag burn to eight didn't they yeah leinster would never have to move their second row they're never gonna have to move jack uh, um, ryan to eight are they you know that wouldn't be a problem they have have another They'll have another world class number eight that's been fucking playing for UCD or something. That they're who's twelve? Yeah, who's twelve? <laughs> that is brilliant, apparently. No, I mean, that's it, it's not it, away it's... from the Scarlets. The Scarlets have done a remarkable, remarkable job. When you consider their budget versus Leinster and Saracens, their budget is the equivalent yeah. of basically paying for things in pig's teeth and shells compared it's to Monster Munch. Or yeah. Monster Munch, of course, boy, yeah. My my unit of currency, which I'm now working in. Um, but, but you, and, and you know, that whole performance, right, for Leinster, it was remarkable, as was everything they did in every competition they've played in. Yeah. But I always think, like, that the, the way to judge players is to look at their lesser-known players. Mm. So you'd look at, like, Jack Cornyn, right? Yeah. You know, he's not a 90-cap island player. Oh, no. Right, he carried his... He worked like a Mexican donkey on the weekend, right? It was amazing, right? That's racist, probably, Mexican donkeys. <laughs> Thinking of it, they might have to cut that. But, you know, five-yard five, five, five yard carries every single time, right? And that guy's, you know, you know, he's not on half a million quid a year and too long no. aren't looking at that guy. It's fantastic. He was, so, and, you know, I think all the, all the focus tends to look at Sexton and... Who I think is the best ten in the world, without a doubt, at the moment. You know, I love I, Borden Barrett to an almost. I think you know, he's the if most. If I leave my test. wife, I'm going straight to Sexton right? <laughs> via Hadley. I'll have a quick fling with uh, Hadley Parks and then Obviously. straight over the straight over. Yeah. But 
you know, the boys in that squad, I think if you look at the lesser players and see how they're performing, that's a real, that's a real benchmark of how the, uh, how the team performs. Yeah. And it's like, you know, they can lose Ethan Athewa after five minutes and somebody that 90% of the watching public probably barely heard of comes on and just plays fine. And, and, <laughs> I know. Yeah. And it's, I know. And it's totally undramatic yeah. and it's total. But bringing you back, point back to Sexton, like, it's boring talking about how good he is. It's gorgeously boring. <laughs> It's just, he's the most, like, I, I don't think I've seen an outside off play as well as him since, like, 2005 era Dan Carter. Yeah, I think like, you're probably right. He's just so complete. Like, he's yeah. always been at a high level. He's always been one of the best number 10s in the world. Yeah. And yet, now he's just, it's like he's taken Bowden Barrett sort of coming in and taking as a bit of a challenge. So it's like, oh, you, you kick past you, oh, I'll do that. Exactly. Like, you, you take it to the line and you sort of you, you can yeah. do a little bit of a step and shimmy through and go through. I'll do that as well then. Fuck it. Yeah. But if you and... almost take a decision making matrix, right? You've got that Liverpool keeper. <laughs> oh, the poor lad. Over yeah. That side. And then yeah. the other side is Sexton. So yeah. everything he does is perfect. It's right? his game and, without and the ball as Barrett well. in the middle. It's his game without you the know, ball. I think that's where in some ways he's better than Barrett because his game without the ball is is, is yeah. staggering as well. And it's tackling. Yeah. You know, when was the last time? So when was the last time? It's, it's, the, it's the same as sort of Wilkinson. Mm. All of the, and Carter actually, that's what makes tens immaculate is that you never say, oh, do you remember when someone went through Sexton Channel? No, I don't actually. <laughs> <laughs> no one went. I remember no when he got through. injured after tackling somebody, but he did tackle them before he got and, injured. And he, and he, he and absolutely you come, made it and they, to the ground. And they he drag you but... down, you know. And, you know, like I was saying now about Conan, you know, you look at the, it's almost, you need to look at the lower part of people's games to realise how high they perform. It's not yeah. the, the, the upper echelons. It's what they do worst. The, the, question, question, question about Leinster, Paul. They did not play badly on the weekend. That's the thing. They didn't play like, badly at all. They and never, they never in doubt. They scored three tries. <laughs> yeah. He had a hat-trick and got stuffed. It was, it was eight points in the end, but it didn't look like eight points, did it? No, it was they. They basically were just knack. Like Leinster were like, "Fuck me, it's been a long season." <laughs> with twenty minutes, when they were twenty points in the lead with whatever it was, like ten minutes to go, uh, twenty minutes to go, they were just like, "Fucking hell, lads, this is it's been a long old season. Can we just just knock this on the head?" And then, you know, to be fair, Australia to the Scarlet, next. yeah, and to be fair, <laughs> exactly. To be fair to the Scarlets, they scored a couple of tries late on and made it look respect more respectable than it was. But it was so easy, so easy. Like... Question about Leinster, Paul. Yeah. Is Leo Cullen getting enough credit? No. Because loads of people talk about Lancaster, aren't they? That's it's almost so exclusively. Weird, yeah, they are. Yeah. And and do you know what's really weird about Leo Cullen is that if, if I, I think I might have mentioned it the last time I was on, but I thought Leinster were finished three seasons ago and oh, that yeah. whole Irish rugby model. So I thought that was done, right? The days of, you know, O'Driscoll and O'Gara and being able to keep those boys in that league. And I thought the money that was pissing in, I love being on you, you can swear. <laughs> the money that was pissing <laughs> into the top 14 and the Aviva and no one would be able, be able to cope. And it, it's almost the point I was making earlier about Australia and South Africa. They're now sort of um, repopulating their squads, albeit 
you know, it's going to take a lot of time. But Leinster did that three or four seasons ago. Yeah. You know, a lot of the, their boys went, Sexton went, whoever went, you know, and, and now they're coming back in and plugging gaps that they don't even need filling. You know, Carberry, now they've got to find a new team for that boy because he's so good. He's off the monster, they yeah. reckon, now. Yeah, right. You know, that boy would be, I think he'd start, he'd start for, for but he'd be in the Welsh squad, right? I'd guarantee yeah. that, right, if he was playing. Well, he's ahead of somebody like Marcus Scotland Smith, isn't he? Squad. Oh, God, yeah. He's you know, miles way there. Ahead, That's what I mean, yeah. Way ahead of Marcus Smith. And, you know, so they've got to move that dude now just, just so he can play. So... You know, for for what for everything you can say about money and moving big players in, and I don't think that is the way forward. I think you and the Leinster model is the way to do it. You bring in quality players like Fardy and James Lowe, who aren't going to be moving away to play Test rugby. They'll be there all season and they'll play their guts out. And then you you pump it into academies, you know, and that is the way forward. Do you know when you? You speaking about people coming in made me remember. Do you know you look at those that famous thing where it looks like all the stairs go up, go up. That, that yeah. model thing, and and, <laughs> and no matter how you look, you go, how's, how's it all going up? I don't understand it. And no matter, no matter yeah. how many times I look at it, I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. I feel exactly the same way about Piers Francis. <laughs> yeah. No matter how yeah, many I... times and from what angle I try and consider the answer, I'm, I become even more frustrated and mystified as to what exactly it's all about. If you look at the step below Francis, Sam Burgess is on there. <laughs> yeah. Just below. So, you know, I could never understand what went on there either. So At it's... least he was a world-class talent they were bringing in. Do you know about that? Yeah, I mean, in a, it's in got a its different issues. sport. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, they should, you know, I'm sure there's some badminton players that can come in and play fullback for the World Cup or something. <laughs> They're agile, aren't they? No. Well. Yeah, Piers Francis is, you are right, though, is, that's a real struggle, I think, for that squad. What did anybody else learn anything? Uh, I learned, well, I not so much on the, uh, on the Leinster game, but on the Premiership final. Saracens. Are just they just know how to peak at the right time, don't they? Yeah. Like remember halfway through this season, mm. they looked like a side. They looked like a busted flush. You know, they fuck me. They nearly lost to the Ospreys twice. Yeah, the Steve, wonderful, ta- the Steve a, a Candy was, Ospreys. They were drack. Yeah, <laughs> drack's a great word. Then, <laughs> it was almost like when it's a when they lost to Len- Is it? Uh, yeah. Sorry. Every day is a school day. The Yiddish has loads of word, great words. Drek for awful. Schmeckle for your penis. Which I is like the best thing. I like is that mensch. a Yiddish word, is it? I didn't realise it. Yeah. yeah. Drek, mensch, schmeckle. Schmaltz is, is, a, is, a, is a Yiddish word. Literally means chicken fat. But it, uh, Anyway. <laughs> you see, you don't learn this stuff on the rugby podcast, do you? No. no. Tell you what, right. I, I'll get schmelt in my rugby world column this weekend. I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> I know where it's going, actually, already. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Remember when Leinster lost to uh, Saris in the Champions Cup? And they, let's be honest, they got absolutely yeah. schooled. But it was almost like that was like the kick up the arse that like made them go, fucking hang, hang on, we're Saracens. We we do that to, we do not have that done to us. <laughs> we do that to other people. And ever since then, they've just been building and building and building. And to the point where that premiership final was the most undramatic thing I've ever watched in my life. That was, was as soon as, as soon as Exeter didn't score after that first 10 minutes of dominance, it was like, right, 
that this is going. I never one really way looked like scoring year. either. That's the thing. They had like ninety no. percent possession. Was just like this is just not gonna. They're not going anywhere. Well, that's the other thing. They need some big carriers, man. Like for large portions of that game on Saturday, it just felt like Saris had erected a fucking electric fence across their own ten meter line, because Exeter were just running into and they just weren't getting anywhere. And you contrast that with like. Billy and Mako and Itoje just constantly getting over that game line for Saracens, and there was never any. A long time listener, Gaz Bosher, got in touch, and he said that he was at the game, and he said it made him realise why certain extra players are not being pulled up to the international level. Yeah, because when it comes up against a defence like that, which did, I mean, Stephen Jones was being a bit of a, he was a bit of a hot take at the weekend, but it it is like an international defence, you know. So actually, and you know, they're not really showing the power to get through it either. But yeah, I mean, no, a lot yeah. of people said, oh, extra try him, and they looked better when Steenson came on and stuff, but it was just never, <laughs> ever, ever. It didn't look much better. Every time though. Saracen's got the ball, you thought, they're just going to score here. They're just, they're yeah. just... Or they'll just keep it until they've decided they don't want it anymore. <laughs> yes, and then true, yes. maybe they'll give it back to you. But, extra, you know, extra uh, sort of effectively mastered possession rugby, they never cough the ball up. But Saris knew that was coming, and they just were like, right, well, we're not going to commit anyone to a ruck. And we're just going to fan out across the entire field. We'll have one sweeper in, so there are absolutely zero gaps anywhere. And crack on, lads. It is actually. And they sorry, have an answer. And, and, no, and, and the, I mentioned it. I think the last time I was on, with, with regard to the scarlet. So when you're in these semi-finals and games really matter, and there's you're you know it's it's give or take, it's win or lose, right? There's nothing else. There's no league positions. And when those line breaks tighten up and the mystery stop, you know, sort of stop happening and the kick throughs mm. and the chips and whatever, it's, it becomes a really simple game. And sometimes you just have to smash the bloke in front of you. Yeah. Right. And that is a reality of it, you know. And Below the nipples, you look at though. those guys like Itoje and Cruis and Michael Vinopolo and Billy Vinopolo. You know, when when it really matters, and the Scarlets don't have that, which is why they've been blown away in two games yeah. where it did matter. Yeah, you, those teams have got it, and you know, it's the same in New Zealand. You know, when when it all goes wrong, and when, um, yeah, you know, when White, you know, Sam Whitelock isn't doing a business and whatever, they just stick their heads down, and when the offloads aren't there, they just smash you, and that mm. is the point. You know, you've got to have it all. You can't just be the offloaders. You've got to, you've got to do it all. Reminds yeah, me of, uh, do you remember when, you'll like this, Paula, I'm going to use a tennis analogy. Remember Pete oh, Sampras and Tim Henman? Yeah. And, oh, then, yeah. and there'd be one point where, where Henman would go like three break points up against Sampras. You think, oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> and Sampras would just decide, oh, I'll, I'll just hammer three aces straight up his, yeah. three, into his windpipe, <laughs> basically. Yeah. And, that, yeah. and then he'd go, oh, he's won the game again. And it is exactly That's the exactly same it. thing, is it? That actually, when it matters, you know what? This isn't quite working out, so I'll just go back to smashing the shit out of it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Three first With speed and accuracy. Game up, right. What are you going to do now? And that's just how it works, you know? Like Brody Vitalik, he does these gorgeous carries to the middle and his hands are free and he can offload either side and he can sort of run 20 yards. But when it's pissing down, <laughs> he will yeah. also carry seven yards and mangle you and put blood all over your face. Mm. And that's that's the difference, you know. You've yeah. got to have it all, I think. To be honest with you, Exeter missed yesterday a Thomas Waldrum in his prime. Oh, in man. terms of get like Thomas Waldron before he got you know older and a fatter. little bit too chubby yeah a little bit too chubby when he was, when he was a good when he was good good chubby not too chubby yeah, you know he 
he had leg drive, you know, and oh. he could get over that gain line like nobody's business. And they just don't have anybody in that extra pack. They've got a lot of good players who hit like trains and will do the rough stuff, but they just don't have a destructive ball carrier. Yeah. And you, know, you look at you look at Thomas Waldrum, right? In his peak, he was like damp. Right? There's you there's nothing you could do about it. It's just it's there and it's coming through. And it's <laughs> slow and there's nothing you can't stop it yeah. unless you pay an awful lot of money. And even uh, then there's no guarantees. <laughs> and even then, right, he's yeah. gonna mess you up, you know. That that's the best way to describe Boyzaka. What did you learn this Amazing. weekend, Paul? I tell you, well, my big one, I've been saving this. I can't believe you guys haven't mentioned it. Ooh. Is that England shouldn't be losing like that to the Barbarians. <laughs> I tell you what, Paul Gustav's absence is already being felt. England were beaten right. by a team that contained a Division 2 scrum half. Honestly. Yeah. Let right, that yeah. sink you in. Should, <laughs> yeah. right, you shouldn't be losing like that. You know, I tweeted on the weekend. That's that's Gastard to Castard, right? <laughs> their defensive completion. That's terrible, but I'll, I'll let you have it. Go on. I mean, yeah. Their defensive completion was sixty-five percent, right? Oh, For a test team against, you know, I I won't mention names. I know a lot of Welsh internationals and internationals who've played for the Barbarians. They don't really do a lot of rugby that week. <laughs> no. Well, right? they... I don't want to go into detail. But they don't lift an awful lot of stuff other than this glass and full of like piss coloured liquids. Right? That's what they do. Well uh, through their own their own admission, the barbarians had three training sessions and two fancy dress piss ups. Unbelievable. Like that's a hell of a ratio of training sessions to fancy dress piss ups. I tweeted beat, the weekend I to said, beat the second best team in the world. Allegedly. I said Losing to the Barbarians when you're a top-level team is never nothing but an unforgivable disgrace. Yeah. And quite a few people came back and said, that's nonsense. Like, no, it isn't nonsense. They said, no. when New Zealand have lost them, I said, I said, yeah, but you're just making my point. It's an unforgivable disgrace when they did it as well. Yeah. And you could talk as much as you about England being a, a scratch team. There were still 400-odd caps in there. There were still yeah, a lot of starters in there. It was a mix of experience and it, and all of the like. Oh, young players, young players. They've still been part of the EPS squad for at least nine months. Exactly. And hang on, they've still been to all the training not, camps. Let's not pretend that they just lost. <laughs> right. That. Right. That, that's, not losing, that's not losing by two points. That is like prison shower stuff. Yeah, they got right? sixty. That's the most points they've ever conceded at Twickenham at home. Okay. Yeah. And, and I think it. I think weirdly, I'm doing my rugby world article for the for the sort of monthly roundup tomorrow, and it just shows how important individual talent is because when you get better individual talent against. <laughs> other individual talent that's never played <laughs> or trained together, the better individual talent will skin you. Yeah. And that's the point. You know, if you've yeah. done defensive systems count for nothing when you all come together a week before and you look at those boys from Fiji, man, I tell you what. That Rodrado is unbelievable. Oh. Absolutely. You see him in his top off afterwards as well. Woof. That was some form, let oh, me tell you. Oh, man. It's like a teak table. <laughs> just and then, but he's, never, he barely, he's barely ever played 13 before. Yeah, he he came over from yeah. the NRL last year. He's been played on the wing for Bordeaux all year. And Pat Lamb just goes, looks like a 13 to me. Yeah, he looks like a fucking world-class 13. <laughs> no, but, but, you know, you look at any of those Fijian backs. Yeah. You know, I looked up this yeah. week, right? The, the population of Fiji is smaller than Manchester. Uh, Birmingham, sorry. <laughs> I think it was 850,000 people. Yeah. 
I, I'm sure there are really good rugby players from Birmingham. I can't think of any at the moment that I keep seeing on TV who are shredding <laughs> rugby fields every week. But you, any team you look I'm at, playing for other nations not, as well. Remember. Yeah, yeah, there's not just a Fijian. It's not like, oh, there's a Fijian on. Isn't it amazing? There's a Fijian playing on that team when you consider how small the country is. That yeah. Fijian is is mangling people. Yeah. It's, as are it's, his three mates who are also as, on it's, the team. Exactly. Yeah. It's, a, a, I don't know, their production line is ridiculous. If they were funded properly, you know, English and South yeah. African... Speaking people, of that team as well, I, rem- I learned this weekend as well that I've remembered, because I'd forgotten that Juan Martin Fernandez Lobe is perhaps my favourite player of the past 20 years. But oh, no, I fucking love Me him. No. Everything about him I absolutely love. What, we, what, what game is it? Was what it a delightful back row the... that was, by the way. As, for yeah. a pure, from a pure neutral watching point of view, Chipperick, Fernandez Lobe, and whoever they had at eight, I forgot, for the Victor Vito. Victor Vito, oh. yeah. Oh, what a back row. Just you see Tipperick's offload oh. from the ground. Now, oh. if you talk about a, a player that's made for the game and a game that's made for the player, that was absolutely yeah. crafted yeah. and bespoke suited for uh, for Justin Tipperick, wasn't it? <laughs> Tipperick's offload yeah. made Jordan Lama's pickup look like yes, Sam Burgess at Bath. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> I tell you what, when he was playing six. <laughs> Yeah. When he was playing six, yeah, for half a game. Anyone else about that Barbarians team that was great was that for the first time in a couple of years, it was a proper Barbarians team. Yeah. In that it wasn't just a load of lads from the Southern Hemisphere. As fine as that is, like a Barbarians team should have everyone in it. And it's really great that there were Welsh, Scottish, English, Irish, Fijians, New Zealanders, Frenchmen. You know, it's. That's that's what a Barbados team should be, and too often over the last, you know, five or six years, it hasn't been. And to be honest with you, when the Barbarians have got their best results, remember when they when they beat the All Blacks, whenever it was, probably about ten years ago now, that was one of those games in where they had a really good broad because that was when Jamie Roberts and Lee Halfpenny and played yeah, for the Barbarians. Right. And you know, when they have that kind of world in union kind of world 15 proper vibe about them that's when they're at their best because it it's i don't know and why it just works isn't it wonderful though isn't it wonderful yeah, I mean, it everything, because i mean everything about one the idea is amazing and rugby union like in all the sport does that thing where it bridges that amateur professional thing with the mm. lions and with the barbarians their kit's brilliant yeah, the fact they all it, wear yeah. club socks is just brilliant. Oh, so they all look ramshackle. Like say, so they, so they look like wearing... a third team, you know, because the first yeah. team have got all the yeah. socks. You've had to bring your own. You know, they're just Tipperick brilliant. wearing odd socks, wearing one Osprey sock and one Drabana sock is fucking great <laughs> yeah. as well. I love that. Like you say, man, the whole the the whole spectacle is beautiful. And, and then to top it up with a rugby, like yeah. That. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and what and what I love is it goes against all of this weight training-y um, God, even the All Blacks. You know, I'm really sycophantic about Kiwi rugby. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll know that. I'm not hiding from that. But even the All Blacks this week trained, uh, tweeted about their first week in, cap and, uh, in camp, and it was all about them lifting weights. And I'm like, oh, guys, man, you know that's not what rugby <laughs> is. Stop, don't make that your first All Blacks tweet of the year, you know? And that isn't what the yeah. Barbars did. Their first, The first thing they lifted was about nine pints of Guinness somewhere. <laughs> had a good spew, had a massive chat, 
missed a day and then had a laugh and got on. And yeah. like, you know, and you, where, you know, where were the pod systems? Where were the, <laughs> you know, the you know, six, yeah. won't, seven? Won't somebody right. think of the pod system? <laughs> right. You know, where, exactly. <laughs> you know, where was that? And they beat England's, let's not call it a second team. It was a sort of one and a half what? team. Yeah. There's some well, good players in that team. I tell you what, it shows how lost at sea England are without that Saracens core as well. You take Farrell, Vunapola, and uh, Itodje out of that England team, and all of a sudden they are all over the place. Yeah. Although I will say, not every England player was bad. And well, I did well. also, I did also learn that Tom Curry has a very specific job under Eddie Jones, and that is he shit out. Well, looking brilliant against the Barbarians every year. And then getting totally ignored while England <laughs> cry out for a proper seven for the rest of the year. Because he was brilliant against the Barbarians last yeah. year as well. And then yeah. England spent an entire season again going, God, we could do with a real seven. And he's yeah. just like, all right, yeah, just uh, just over here, just, just being Elliot a proper Stig seven. played well as well. He was pretty promising. Yeah. And, Elliot, and Elliot Daly looks like a decent fullback, oh. actually. Exactly. Yeah. And then you've got Crick. Well, I did mention him on my Twitter, but I don't care now. I've Three bottles of skinny lager. <laughs> but, you know, you've got Chris Robshaw, right, who's a blindside flanker. And other than the open side, your job is to drop people and to miss six out of seven tackles, right? You know, I've eaten poppadoms with more structural integrity than that, right? <laughs> you, you, you can't miss six tackles as an international blindside. No, you, as a professional blindside. Because oh, any blindside, if that was a second team rugby, as, they, as a they'd fuck you off. Full stop. Just <laughs> that is a fact, and I don't know whether I don't know why he didn't want to get involved or miss those tackles, but I don't know. I don't know. That didn't look good to me. No, it really didn't. I think Daly might end up at thirteen again for you know because he haven't solved that thirteen problem, and he's pretty no. decent. And also, whoever the new defence coach is. If you keep changing your thirteen, your defense is never going to be right. You know, basically, if you're a, def- a if you're a defense yeah. coach, you should like move in with your thirteen. Yeah, and li- you know, like <laughs> literally live in his pocket for about a month before the, the season exactly. starts. You know, but yet they keep changing it, the thirteen. It used, to be, it used to be that twelve was your second best defender, mm. so yeah. seven was your best, then twelve. But of course, that. Now sevens can get behind the twelve. So if you miss in that ten twelve, you can uh, you know an open side can sort of get there. Then mm. not get into the thirteen channel. So if you miss as a thirteen, you're it's a line break. Yeah. So yeah. you no, it's it's there's... that's why I like Lizowski from Saracens. I think he's been yeah, he's been rock solid, doesn't he? Amazing man, tackles well, distributes both hands, does everything. I love him. Bit of aggro as well. Bit of aggro, yeah, you know, and he's a tidy lump as well. You know, I think he, I don't know. I thought he played really well at 13 for Saris on the weekend. I thought, yeah, if if there's a, a question that if you want Elliot Daly to be a wing, which I'm guessing he does, then why not? Tell you what, Elliot Daly's got a real chance of becoming the English James Hook. <laughs> <laughs> You're fucking what an opportunity that is! There, but but you know you look at James Hook, man. What an amazing player! End up with seventy odd caps, yeah, and just shuffled around. Yeah, and never talk- given a proper goal. You know, was it Josh? It was a clip on YouTube the other week of some game back in was it two thousand and what year was it? You were saying 
Hook was being shunted around four positions at this point, and he was he was oh. playing. They were persevering with Stephen Jones around about 2010. Yes, right? yeah, it was. It was the two. It was when uh, Ospreys won the Magnus, uh, whatever it was, the Magnus League at that point, and it was Dan Bigger at ten, James Hook at twelve, and there was absolute and Lee Burn at fullback, and pornographic things were happening in the Ospreys back line as a matter of course, but then for some reason. Wales were persisting with either playing Hooker 10 with Jamie Roberts or playing Stephen Jones at 10 with Jamie Roberts and Hook at 13. And it's like, and at no point did it cross anybody's mind in that Wales setup to go, you know what, they've just won the league with Dan Bigger at 10 and James Hook at 12. Let's give that a go. And at no point, at no point did it ever happen. It was, and he was playing 15, he was playing 13, he was playing 12, he was everywhere. That was the era of the crash ball 12, wasn't it? That was the it was, sort of yeah. the Jamie Roberts, that's when Brad Barrett sort of came in and yeah. it was the lump set up a rack and ran the corner. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving on, what else did I learn from the weekend? You know that Stephen Jones thing you mentioned about? He loves a hot take, yeah. doesn't he? He said Saracens that's can beat everybody. Lot. Here's a full list of who he said Saracens could beat. Leinster, the All Blacks... Yeah. Those yeah. werewolves from the film Dog Soldiers, the Borg, <laughs> all of the assembled Avengers, 27 Mike Tysons, 40 Rocky Marcianos, Bruce Lee with a right fucking cob on, and the Romans when they were really good at fighting. <laughs> that's Bruce the full Lee list. Bruce Lee with a right fucking cob on. That's really good. I love that. Yeah, that's the full list he, he published. It's <laughs> the full published list. Well, it's good that he's, he's not really left any doubt about how <laughs> smoulderingly hot his takes are. <laughs> And then he blocks you. Uh, you go, are you sure you're right about that, Stephen? Blocked. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, I am I am one of the few unblocked. I'm unblocked. Yeah, but you, you, you get on with everybody on Twitter, Paul. You're quite a polite sort of guy, aren't you? you... I'm yeah. sick of fans. Have you actually ever disagreed with him? Because he doesn't have you nice to him. Even if you disagree really politely, he still blocks you. No, do, 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 well, I'll come clean. I actually get on really well with him. And... Um, I wouldn't say we're friends, but, you know, when we're at these dinners, I get on really well with him. And he's actually a really nice guy. I think, right. I don't think he understands Twitter. That's the point. He just doesn't understand what Twitter's for, I think. Do you know what I think? I think what it is, I think if you've been in rugby media for so long and you all of a sudden, it's the same with Stuart Barnes. I think you all of a sudden, loads of people get access to you. So even if you were in a pub, right, two or three people might come up and go, I fucking hate you. (laughs) Right? But that's the reality, right? You know, even if you were Johnny Wilkinson, someone might come up and go, oh, do you know, I wouldn't have dropped that goal from there. I'd have done it with my other foot or I'd have done it with my arse or something, right? There's always someone's going to hate you. But I think when you go on to Twitter in one big lump and you're such a big well-known and opinionated and well sort of, you know, awarded writer sort of broadcaster, you just get such a mass of hatred that you just naturally block like sort of Raul Dravid and there's no way around it. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's just what it is. You just sort of go, no, 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 no. And then even if somebody says something to you that is, not even critical, but is half sort of casual. You just think, yeah, fuck that. You're, I'm blocking you, son. Ironically, so Stuart Barnes is very good on Twitter. He engages yeah. people who have a dis- You know, he, he, he seems is. to get it. He's <laughs> been on there about six weeks. Yeah. So you, right, so you wait true. now until you give him another two years. And, oh, man. Yeah. You know, it's a really tough gig. I, I'm nowhere near that following level. And even I get the odd, you know, What's the word? I don't know. But I'd bring back the Wank. death penalty. Wanker. Yes. Yeah. 
Anyway, we need to move on. Has anyone got anything to learn anything else? We've been talking for ages. No, nothing else. I have. Go on, I've got an entire on. list. Go on, then. Um, get yours. You're the guest. I, yeah. I've got one One big one is that, remember when Mara Atoje was in that, oh, he's never won, lost anything ever in his life? Yeah. Oh, yeah. James Ryan's in that little bracket. Yeah, now. We, we mentioned oh, yeah. that, yeah. He's, got, never, he's, he's never lost a professional game of rugby. And the, the mad thing about him is, I mean, that's per fucking usual. He was the best fucking player on the park for Leinster. But yeah. he's, this is his first season. He's just coming up on a year since he made his senior debut. And he's still fucking going. He should be knackered by now. No, no. And yet yeah. he's still leading his team in tackles. He's still hitting like a fucking train. What's going to happen when he does lose? Well, this is where I sort of like sweet of like psychology. This is where I come in. This is where I come in with the loss <laughs> because after this summer tour, because they will beat Australia, yeah. I'm going to challenge him to a game of Jonah Luma rugby on the PS1. Yeah, just so he knows it's like to fucking lose at rugby or tennis. I'm going to tennis as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. He's too tall. Don't, don't, ch- don't challenge him in any sort of physical pursuit. It's got to <laughs> no. be something that he's. Yeah, and, and I'll put this challenge out to Sarugio. anybody on social media. In fact, <laughs> if you ever oh. want to have a game of Jonah Lomo rugby, you will not beat me. And this goes out to Tom Shanklin and James Hook, who think they're really good, don't they? <laughs> You will not be. <laughs> Paul me. Williams has literally called out the entire population of the earth to, to yeah. have another game of Johnny Lowe. Not just the it. earth. And if there could be other yeah. pe- other planets with Wi-Fi, yeah. you've got that. All of you, bring it. <laughs> I mean, luckily, wow. Tom Shanklin and James Hook listen to this religiously, so... Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it's their screensaver. Yeah. I mean, if you do, lads, pop on. I mean, you know, we'd love to hear what else who you got, you'd Paul? like to sit by. That again, sorry. What else have you got? Anything? The, yeah, the other one that I had was it's not international rugby, it's all it's Southern Hemisphere. <clears throat> but the Crusaders played the Hurricanes on the weekend, right? And they had, I'd say, at least seven frontline players missing. They are the best wet weather, <laughs> not just rugby team, I'd include them in t- wet weather tyres. Sport, they are the best <laughs> out of all of that group. So, historical wet the weather best. battles, yeah, Max Macintoshes, any clothing, they are the ultimate man. I tell you what, there's nothing like them. It was remarkable, you know, have 5,000 one inch carries. <laughs> when the shit <laughs> comes down for games like that, they really was, are. You would put your whole family, your mortgage, the lot on them, wouldn't you? How the people you phone. If it was you know, a phone you a friend, you'd be phoning them. Exactly. And, you know, it, you think of Exeter, right? They score a lot of tries from sort of 15, 10 yards, you know, with tight, neat carries and nice pod work. The Crusaders do that from 40 yards. And you look at the players who are doing it as well. It's like that Crusaders pack. Who of them have you fucking heard of? I know, I know. Quinton <laughs> Strange, best name ever, by the way. <laughs> Hayden Bedwell Curtis... Yeah, like, who are these go. guys? But and you've got Joe Moody who's back, and a few yeah. of the sort of big names. Yeah, but they are just you know unbelievable yeah. wet weather special. I can't think of a team like them in the world, other than Munster probably, yeah. who do that so well regardless of the conditions. Yeah. Speaking and of and unbelievable it, super quad, like the Hurricanes as well, like a team that has all the All Blacks. I know, literally all of them. 
and handle and... the ball in the wet weather like no one else. They're the second yeah. best wet weather team. And then, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I can't get mad my head. Stuff, mad stuff. And everyone says Super Rugby's all about, you know, miss five passes. It really isn't. <laughs> Well, it can't be that because it pisses it down in New Zealand 360 days of the year. So I've uh, never watched a Super Rugby game that it isn't raining. Every time I turn a Super Rugby game on in New Zealand, it's raining. Every time. Yeah. pissing all the time. And they always go, oh, yeah, but it's always dry in New Zealand. It's not ever. <laughs> the only time it's ever dry is in the Highlanders now and that Dunbar's because they've got a roof. Yeah. And we play in their winter. It pisses it down. When, when the Lions went down there last year, Canterbury spent like a year trying to develop the most waterproof thing that they could think of because they knew what was coming. Rain. Yeah. Fucking shit loads of it. Oh, Speaking of Super go. Rugby, last thing I've, I've learned, that, you know, the Jags are the real deal, aren't they? The Haguanas cannot stop, no. lose, stop winning. Six on the bounce. And Wales are about to go there. I and basically say, played Los Jaguares. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. It's, it's, it's absolutely... T- as far as we're concerned, isn't it? It's like, yeah, yeah we get we get the non-fucking hat stand Argentina for a change. I Great. do love the idea that they've just been like, they set this club up and they went, World Cup's ages away, lads. Nobody expects us <laughs> to do anything in this Super Rugby. Let's just get pissed for a couple of just years. Have a laugh. Yeah. Watch box sets yeah. on the plane. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Don't yeah, tear up with all these cities we go in. Ton of but then you need to know <laughs> that when we're 18, months, we're 18 months out from the World Cup, heads are on then. But you know, yeah, until then, exactly. off you go. Yeah. Follow, yeah, we'll get those, follow Haguardo's we'll get those Welsh lead. Mugs over. Get those Welsh mugs over via Washington. Yeah, with after squad missing because I enjoyed. Of... I enjoyed enjoyed Doctor Gwynn saying that it was a disgrace to rugby because it was a purely money making exercise, as if a or no shit or. <laughs> Of course it is. And also, a money-making exercise is quite a good thing with a sport that doesn't have any money. Uh, exactly. Like, and, yeah. and, and, you know, well, that's the way Welsh rugby's funded. Yeah. It's the way most I, places are funded, with money. Yeah. Well, they're, going, they're, paying us, they're, paying us loads, they're paying us loads of money to go over there and inconvenience ourselves to go and play South Africa. That's yeah, fine. So, We're fucking broke. Yeah, like, we need cash. And, then, you know, yeah. and it does annoy me a little bit. You know, I often disagree with... Um Well, there we are. I've had three skinny lagers. We don't get on very well at all. Um, so, um, but, you know, you can't expect to recruit and keep players in Wales and, yeah. you know, be it for the Scarlets to be able to sign Blumkis from, you know, South Africa. You know, that 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 is a player who two seasons ago would have ended up at Worcester. Yeah, or a mid-table Aviva team, and now we've got the money to keep me in Wales. Yeah, so you can't have it all. We've got to play these games, or you can't keep the players. Yeah. That's Johnny a fact. Mac- Johnny McNichol is going to not be qualified for Wales five months after his Scarlets contract ends, and yeah. he said I- today that if somebody comes in with a big enough offer, he's fucking going because he's up here to make money and maybe earn some caps. And, yeah. and do you know what? And who can blame the boy? Who right? can fucking blame him? But we're all yeah. into making money. And but I I genuinely think that you know, say Johnny McNichol now, his market value would be maybe three fifty in the Aviva or top fourteen. Yeah, maybe four hundred at max. Okay, there are a lot better wingers floating around. Even though he's an amazing player, whereas he could be offered a deal at the Scarlets. You know, he could be offered an NDC. Yeah. And then with your Welsh payments, you're up to 320, 350. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I, I think it's really clever. Say it on camera 
unless yeah. you give me a proper deal and tell me I'm playing for Wales, I'm off. Yeah. I'd have done, I'd have, I'd have done exactly the same thing. Absolutely fair enough. But it's like, this is how we are going to keep, like, this is how we're going to ensure that Johnny McNichol does not fuck off five months short of Welsh qualification and never plays for Wales because Toulon or Wasps or somebody puts a fucking massive checkbook on the table. This is playing games like this, is playing the fourth international, is all you know, of this bollock. I don't, I don't care if Wales play Thailand in Greenland. <laughs> right? As long as you get to keep all the best players and no one is leaving at the moment and people are arriving and that is yeah. the way it needs to be. Speaking of people leaving, that brings us to the end of the what we learned <laughs> and Paul's contribution to the show. He's now going to stagger off to another room to crack open another crate of skinny lager, no doubt. <laughs> Paul, well, it's been good a... thing about these bottles. I'm right, I'm right with you, Paul. Crack pipe if you turn them into a bottle, so I'm off now. <laughs> this is what happens in middle class Cardiff, you see, behind the curtains. Yeah. This is what this yeah. is. This is what Paul. happens, Paul. It's Paul been an absolute pleasure lager. as always. And we will see you very, very soon. Take care, ta-da. The one and only Sausage and Egg McMuffin from McDonald's. With a freshly cracked free-range egg, perfectly seasoned sausage and oozing cheese. Mm, That's unreal. What she said. McDonald's. Breakfast done properly. Acast recommends... Podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. And there goes Paul, so let's go on to shit good ratings for the week, shall we, Josh? Yes. Shit first? Yeah, why not? Shit. Go. Um, Danny Cipriani at 15. He's yeah. just not one, is he? What's, He's just not. We knew this. Yes. And what have we learned? We've learned nothing. We've learned nothing about his ability to not get run over by big lads when he's the last line of defence, because we fucking knew that anyway. It was just yeah. utterly pointless. He'll just, he'll just be dropped now. Yeah. Because they've given him a go. Yeah. What else have we got here? Graham Love got in touch on Twitter of Graham Love Productions, the magnificent animator man. And yeah. he said, uh, shit, is England taking three points in a Barbarians game? That is disgraceful. That says a lot about it, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, shit for me, Mike Brown. <laughs> Stop it. It's in a, this is getting like a relationship where neither side wants to accept that it's over. <laughs> yeah. Like... Playing Brown on the wing when he's buying a dog next. Let's buy a dog, see if it makes it any better. Yeah, it's like playing Brown on the wing when he's demonstrated, what, five years ago that he's an abysmal test level winger. It's like going back to like somewhere you went on holiday together in an attempt to reignite the spark and remember the good times. (laughs) Except instead of going somewhere that was nice, you sort of go somewhere where the room didn't have air conditioning and you got the shits on the first night. Or you get there and like austerity's really pinched and everything's boarded up. Yeah, it's that. It's it's going back and oh god, everything's got expensive and suddenly it's become a stag do capital. 
<laughs> you knew on the flight it wasn't going to go well. There were men dressed in Japanese headbands and stuff. Yeah. Yes. What else have we got here? Shit, uh, Will Matthewman got in touch at Blood and Mud on Twitter, and he said, shit, was the tight short, tight-shirted tattooed dickheads at Twickenham that kept telling me that Italy were not playing just because I had an Italy jersey on. Then there was a throbber who was chanting Brexit, Brexit, Brexit at me. The whole experience, apart from the rugby, was absolutely shit. Fucking hell. Oh, God. Oh, I mean, we had about, you know, I, I got annoyed with the, you know, the coaching commentator guy at Twickenham when I was there. And the, yeah. the tr- tremendous amount of rab gilets that is on display. Yes. But I've never, and, had, and, I've never had that. And, of course, you've had the, at the, the Millennium, the Wales National Stadium, you've had the threatened to get battered for not giving oh, respect. Oh, yes, yeah, that was band. fun. Yeah, and I've had some, I've had some fun in games with, with the uh, Barber Jacket Brigade at Twickenham as well. But, uh, that yeah. That sounds pretty hideous, Will. Fair play yeah, to Yeah, it sounds like a cross between, like, the worst bits of the sevens and going to a normal normal game at Twickenham in terms of just, <laughs> yes. like... It's like they've smashed... It's like an awful mashup. Like Brexit, no. Brexit, Brexit. Fuck me. God alive. Anyway, what else have you got? The shit, anything? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Luke Cowan Dickey. Usually, the worst thing about him is his haircut. Mm. But honestly, even that looked passable compared to some of his line-out throwing against Saracens. It was dog shit. I mean, throwing the line-out against Saracens is not easy, but he was making it look even harder than it actually was in reality. Speaking of which, actually, Henry Slade. God, oh. he's frustrating. God, he's frustrating. He played like a it's drunk what? bonobo in mittens. <laughs> He yeah. was fucking well, one week, appalling. One week he's unplayably good, and the next and week did you see the he's state of his lid? Unplayably bad. I think it's something to do with the lid. He's had, he's had a yeah, step, maybe. like an early '90s step put in. <laughs> it could well be that. I mean, he looks like he'd never met a rugby ball before on Saturday he afternoon. Was truly, was truly like, terrible. He was unbelievably I mean, bad. The matchup between him and Lazowski is the who's England's future yeah. thirteen yeah. going to be? It wasn't yeah. there. Yeah. Any other shits? Uh, yes. It pains me, but Steph Evans, like we all know how good he can be with ball in hand, but the way that that Sexton and McGrath just kept peppering him with high kicks and he just could not deal with them, it's a problem now because now that he's shown his ass on the big stage like that, everyone, starting with South Africa on the weekend, I'm guessing, are just going to, as soon as they get the ball to the 10, he's going to look up and boom one in Steph Evans's direction and see if he fucks it up again. And they're going to keep doing it until he stops. So, yeah, that could be a problem. Speaking of that, his... Wales game should be good Saturday. Was it 10 o'clock at night on Channel 4 on a Saturday? Yeah, yeah, good time. Perfect time for me to sit down and watch some international rugby, I think, and get depressed and then go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Any more shits? Uh, I think that's me for shit, actually. Okay, I haven't got much this week. It was a... It was a it was a high quality game, I feel. Like but three very high quality games where not a lot of players, aside from the ones that we mentioned mm. in what we learned, really showed their asses that much. Yeah, because I've got good, I've got Redrada and Tuisova, which you've already mentioned. Yeah, I've got Alex Good, because oh, he might yeah. not be Eddie Jones' cup of tea, but God, he's such a He's people nice who player. like rugby's cup of tea though, isn't he? <laughs> he absolutely is. It's just like, oh yeah. I mean We've mentioned the Jordan Lama pickup. I mean, that pickup was absurd. It was. Not just that, but the fact that he made it into something. It wasn't just he picked it up and did something yeah. and like ran into contact. He scored a fucking try off the back of that. And like, it's ridiculous that, like, Leinster's attack usually 
is very structured and very efficient and very it's good it's nice mm. to watch mm. but it's you know they'd all do their jobs but then you put llama into the mix and all of a sudden there's this sort of mad genius element where anything could happen yeah. it's sort of it's very similar to what Simon Zebo offers to Lent, uh, to Munster actually offered I should say in that occasionally he just does something that you are entirely incapable of ever foreseeing coming yeah it's true and and it's just the fucking hell to have that to add to the, everything else that they've got <laughs> just uh, again fucking hell come on ridiculous stuff that's got us good Sam Roberts got in touch on Twitter Sam Roberts Rugby who's all of his written stuff's excellent by the way so. he is fantastic journalist uh, it said um, good is how early it was revealed that everyone on the bar bars was in on the Ashton gag as we haven't by, spoken about no, Chris Ashton. As revealed by Tuisova laughing as he handed the ball over for the flat, the splash on that first try. That game was so mad that I watched it and they, they went up and then I went into the kitchen because my mum arrived and I had to go in and make her a cup of coffee. And when I came out, it was 25 all. <laughs> it was a batshit game. But, but yeah, Ashton basically just yeah flicking the Vs. Was yeah, it was just erecting a massive middle finger in the middle of the... On the ten meter line, and just gradually, just twisting it towards the box, which had the RFU suits and Eddie James in it. You know, it was, it was glorious. Like it's it so was. nice. And to the enjoy. thing is, when we say, "Oh yeah," well, he was given his chance, but he got back. So it doesn't really matter. It was just really funny. It's really fucking <laughs> whether funny. It's, whether it's justified or not, it was just genuinely another brilliant bit of what was a brilliant yeah. fucking game of rugby to yeah, watch. It was hilarious. Honestly, I have not laughed so much in such a long time. It's for three well, minutes because I, I was an England fan, so I wasn't laughing, but I, I no. did actually laugh out loud when they did the first <clears throat> Ash Splash and, first, and well, over. From that moment, the, the the tone was set. Though it was like, right, this is going to be funny. And I was like, else. yes, all right, they've had a laugh with it now, but we need to. And actually, even them those those early tries, I thought <clears throat> that's fine to be honest, because they're going to flake yeah. out at some point. We can get some structure going. We can get you know Rob Shaw can pull them in, and we can get them all fucking organised again, and we can go and win. But evidently not. It would seem. no because no. what they actually said in the huddle was, "Let them score sixty points, lads. That's what yeah. we need to do." Yeah, we'll have them right where we want them. <laughs> uh, like we don't believe in stats, but those barbers, the stats for the yeah, barbers. Yeah, Graham said that was thirty-five good on Twitter, offloads, yeah. twelve clean breaks, and thirty-four descenders beaten. I mean, fuck me, that is not That's ridiculous. This doesn't make great reading for England. Does it doesn't. <laughs> Well, so we got Charlie Thomas uh, got in touch on Twitter. And he said that good as ever was the Barbarian FC tweeter. The guy who runs a Twitter. Oh, he account. is great, that guy. He said simply the best him. rugby account on here. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, yeah, All yeah, right. yeah, yeah, I think yeah, he's yeah. good, but there's no need to be like that, is there? Yeah, right to no my need. face. No, yeah, actually, he is genuine. You know what? A lot of those kind of comedy, when official accounts oh, try and get comedy, are oh, fucking terrible. The reason that they're good is that whoever's writing them, unlike pretty much all of those ones where official accounts attempt to do it. He's actually funny. He is genuinely funny, yeah. Yeah. And he obviously like, thinks very quickly, and he's very good. He's very quick with a sim. I'm sure it's a him, but could be a woman. But it's 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 yeah. he's very quick with him a simile. Or her, whoever it is, whoever it is, very quick with a simile. Can look at something yeah. very quickly and think of something funny to say about it quickly. Yeah, it's really is, really it, good. He's whoever he or she is. It's one of those like. Perfect who are, yeah, well, he's one of those people who are just your your mate in the pub who's just always got a one-liner. Yeah, he's always funny. Yeah. One of those people that you sort of 
think you should actually probably should be a stand-up comedian, but you don't put any effort into it, sort of thing. Yes, it's yeah. The some of them were very good. Yeah. Frank yeah. Ridging got in touch on Twitter at Bloodwood, and he said, "Good was Danielle Waterman's commentary on the Barbarians game. Someone who explains why and how something is happening rather than just what is happening on the screen." <laughs> Yeah, that is good. To be fair, I mean Healy's a tip, but he's quite good at that actually. Yeah, I've genuinely been was quite impressed with Healy on the weekend. He didn't like irritate me, and he actually he was very good at that thing where oh why did this happen? Oh well this this and this, and went, that's what you should stick to. Less of being a fucking Norse, <laughs> and more of just actually telling us what's going on in an informed way. Yeah, when I went to the Perhaps <laughs> they showed me the gantry and stuff. They were saying that basically that, that Healy sits to one side and they tee stuff up and he'll kind of like elbow them to say, I want to show this. Then they cut to him. Mm. I think he does kind of decide a lot of it. He'll kind of go go back in back play and show that thing. So, And I think a lot of those analysts do that when they're good. So fair yeah. enough. What else have we got here that's good? Uh, James, James Mackay on Twitter got in touch and he said good was George Ford. Yeah, to be fair, yeah. he was all, he was all one of the few bright spots, and he looked like he was taking it really seriously. You can see he wasn't he wasn't yes. having a laugh with it. That's the no. thing you see. If it was a laugh, that's one thing, but England really weren't laughing at it's, all. Yeah, it's the thing that sometimes when barbarians play, like the job of the test team that the barbarians are playing is essentially to be you know the fucking. To be the Washington Generals <laughs> yes. to their so hard enable trials, their madness, know. yeah, yeah. To be the to be the heel, to be the you know. But quite often, you know, the test team gets into the spirit of it by you know not kicking penalties or you know trying mad shit left, right, and centre. And it, you know, it's generally quite fun and lighthearted. But it didn't. And like, if England had lost in that sort of circumstances, I think it would have been better. <laughs> That's true. But if yeah. instead it kind of felt like they were fucking really taking it seriously. They're really trying to stop they this from really, happening. They really wanted to, to, yeah, they really wanted to just fucking basically tighten the game up and play boring fucking route one round the corner rugby to just stop it. And they couldn't do it. And it was really unfortunate. Have you got any more good? Uh, have I got any more good? That is a question. Uh, no, just James Ryan, Johnny McNichol, yeah, you know, the same people him. that... Same people that we've already talked about because it was that kind of weekend. Honestly, I don't think anybody aside from England played badly this weekend. It's true, like, actually. Yeah. I don't think Exeter played badly. No, they didn't. They it was a procession, just... but they played perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They they would have beaten most teams playing like that, but they just came up against one of the ones that they couldn't. Equally, the Scarlets would have fucking battered almost anyone scoring yeah. some of the tries that they scored. But Lents are a different gravy. So, yeah. Last good from Twitter. Tom Gorman gets in touch and he says, good as it was the atmosphere at the last Haguara's home game. Granted, they're on a hot streak, but that's a party I want to go to. Me too. Damn straight. Flying down to Buenos Aires, hanging out with Haguardo. Can't fault um, it. What, what more could you ask for? And he said, also I mean, good was Lee's running commentary of Friday night's party shenanigans at his house. <laughs> I fucking did enjoy that. The sorts of content it. you just don't get from other rugby podcasts. You're right, yeah, yeah. that's true. I don't care if you want to hear it or not. I'm going to tell you anyway. Let's, I, I think that we should offer a third Patreon tier <laughs> where People who want it. we live stream whatever Whatever teenage party. stuff my lad and his mates yeah. are up to. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. I mean, I, I'm into it. That is us for the week. It must be. 
It is God. It must be. Hey, guess who submitted time. a shit God? I should mention it, really. <laughs> oh, oh, J- JB from from that he other did. modestly J- popular podcast. Yeah, JB, JB was so angry about about the state of the England game that even he felt the need to. Yeah, he said shit was England and good was Ashton. Simple as that. Yeah. Four words: shit, England, yeah. good Ashton. Say what you like about that man. He is Brevity. economical with <laughs> yeah. his. Yeah, he, he knows how to get to the fucking point. That man. So yeah, it's a point we almost universally disagree with. But he got to it very quickly. Not <laughs> in, in this, case, not in this, this instance, case, though. Totally agree with him. It's one, yeah. one of the few times that we are at one with JB with our view of what's yeah. happening. Yeah, yeah. This is this is what you've done to us, England, through your shitness. You have united us in <laughs> unity with JB and the rugby pod. <laughs> the yin and yang have come together, and yeah. all us is all the egg chasers good. podcast, not the rugby pod. He'll be very upset if you get those two he will. mixed up. Oh, yes. <laughs> Hope you do well, JB. Anyway, indeed. So, uh, that's us. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back for... We are going to... I think we are going to cover the internationals, aren't we? Yeah, fuck it. Might as well. I'm going to watch them, aren't I? Have you seen a week yeah. on Saturday? The, the, the game starts at 6.45am and finish at midnight. There's back-to-back games from 6.45am onwards, starting with Japan um, versus Italy. This is... There is something wonderful about that, isn't it? Because of all the time zone differences, it literally just rolls all the way through the day. Yeah, it's I mean, it was kind of a bit like with, with with other sports involved. It was a bit like that this weekend, where it's like you can yeah, sit down, and play off football, and all that. You yeah, can sit cricket. down and watch some Super Rugby to start your day off, and then that'll take you through until Premiership final time, and then in between Premiership final and play and Pro Fourteen final, you can watch a bit more Super Rugby. It's just, and then you can watch the Pro Fourteen final, and then watch El Haguares in the evening. It's like. I love days like that. Beautiful. I mean, I'll probably get DVT, but fuck it. <laughs> yes. And gout from all the red wine. <laughs> Worth it. And on that note, right. we hope yeah. that you all don't get gout, but that you no. have a kind of lifestyle would suggest that you would get gout because that would make you happy. <laughs> all right, take care, everyone. See take you next care, week. Take care, everybody. Bye. The one and only Sausage and Egg McMuffin from McDonald's. With a freshly cracked free-range egg, perfectly seasoned sausage and oozing cheese. Mm, that's unreal. What she said. McDonald's. Breakfast done properly. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.